Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. What makes McDonald's McCafe iced coffee so good? Is it the bold flavor? That splash of cream? Because you can get it just how you like it? Unsweetened or with your choice of caramel, French vanilla, or hazelnut flavored syrup? Or because all you have to do to get one is hit up the McDonald's drive-thru? Let's go with all of the above. When you're ready for a break, get a medium McCafe iced coffee for just $1.69. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Have fun with your important conversations and your big issues with your brains and your smart stuff, okay? We got hockey to learn. Dr. Hockey. Welcome to the Dr. Hockey Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert. I am on with, of course, uh, Jason Berkeley. Jason, what, what's going on? You doing all right? Uh, yeah, I just tried to plug in a lamp so I had better light here and the lamp's not working. Because there's no light bulb in there. I just plugged it in. There's no light bulb. This is wonderful. It's not going to help, Jason, so don't worry about it. You think it's better if I just, like, I, shut my camera off altogether? Shut it off, too, if you want to. <laughs> we are very, very lucky to have on today Chris King from the New York Islanders, the voice of the Islanders. We are very, very excited to talk about the Islanders. And we've heard so much about it on the Dr. Hockey podcast, but now to hear from you is going to be amazing. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we're very pumped. We want to kind of get into the team right now. And, but, I mean, before we do that, tell us how you got into this amazing position with the Islanders. Yeah, it, it's a great story, Jay, actually. You know, I am a lifelong Islander fan. I actually, uh, you know, grew up until age 11. I was a Boston Bruin fan. You know, Bobby Orr, Phil Esposito, Jerry Cheevers, those were my guys. But uh, suddenly I'm 11 years old and here come the New York Islanders. And uh, I've got a team of my own in 1972. So, uh, you know, I started following the team then, just became a huge fan, ended up going to college in upstate New York for broadcasting, uh, came out of there. I actually had a different profession at first. I was a software engineer, believe it or not. No uh, way. And then started to do radio on the side. Yeah. So I had two interests in college. I went to undergrad at Geneseo for broadcasting and then grad school at Binghamton for engineering. So came out as a software engineer, was happy doing that, but kind of missed radio, which was my love in college. And little by little kind of got my way back in a small rock station out on Eastern Long Island and talked them into letting me do a little Islander report that aired, you know, uh, every morning in the morning show. And luckily, after five years of that, that station got the rights to broadcast Islander games. So they kind of brought me on as the pregame, postgame intermission host. And from there, I produced it. I engineered it. From there, I did color commentary for over a decade and now play by play for over a decade. But, you know, for me, you know, just chatting with you guys before we began with big hockey fans, you are. That's how I am, you know, with the Islanders. They're in my blood uh, since day one. And now to be their broadcaster, uh, you know, literally, if I could have any job in the world, I have the the job that I want the most. So I am very blessed indeed. It sounds totally incredible and uh, very jealous. I think it's an incredible opportunity to be able to do that. And especially, we, you know, we're all, we're all hockey fans, so we love talking about hockey. Obviously, that's why we, we have this uh, podcast. But that, that's just the way – I mean, how to go into radio and then wind up there, I, I don't know if it could be any better. 
Yeah, and that's what, you know, when I get the feedback from fans, Jay, it's like they, they can feel it, you know, because, again, for me, it's not just a job. It's not just something I do. It's, it's my passion. And it's the team that I'm passionate about. So I think that's why I get a bit emotional sometimes when uh, there's some great moments in front of me and it comes through in the broadcast. So when I meet fans for the first time, they say, you know, we can tell you're a fan just like we are. So uh, I'm glad that that does come through on the other end of the radio. Chris, when, when you're announcing the games and you're, you're doing your thing and they score a big goal, I know from my perspective, and again, Jay, here we go. When I'm watching the Red Wings. <laughs> he got I'm, it in quick. He did. I have to. Uh, <laughs> I I'm, 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 I'm going to go nuts. I'm going to stand up and yell. Uh, oftentimes, uh, it's language that I don't want my kids to hear. How do you control yourself in the sense from, yes, you have to be a professional, and then the emotional part of it. How do you control yourself? Or when the, the opposite, if it's a real, the other team scores a goal on you, you lose an overtime or something. How do you control yourself from not just losing it and just every four letter word in, in the book? And what do you do? How do you maintain that, that, that cool? Yeah, it's a good question, Jason. And again, I try to, you know, I've heard a lot of radio broadcasters who when the other team scores, you wouldn't even know they scored a goal. Right. And, and as painful as it is, <laughs> it's still a big event in the game. So you have to give it its due when the other team scores and, you know, try to play it straight down the middle. But the Islander side of it, it's funny. I, I get so revved up and, and, uh, I call it my Peter Brady moment because anytime I get excited, my voice seems to raise up and crack like it is a famous Brady Bunch episode. It's time to change. Yeah, it's time to change. You know the song, right? But my voice cracks and it changes and uh, it's kind of become my trademark. I can't control it at all. But, you know, it's just that excitement, that energy, uh, enthusiasm. Sure. Um, and you know, I think, again, from a from a broadcasting standpoint, the fans like to hear that. I don't like to consider myself a homer. I certainly do get more excited anytime the Islanders score than the opposition. But I give opponents goals there due as well because, again, any goal in any game is a big moment. So you want to let the folks on the other side know that, hey, something big has happened. I certainly do get a lot more revved up for Islander moments than I do for opposition moments. But, you know, you try to at least strike some type of balance. Yeah, I mean, that that's important because it is – I mean, it is still a, a big deal for the game that there's a goal. You can't just let it, like, slide by like nothing happened. It, and sometimes some of those goals are beauties. So you got to really – you got to be in the game with it. It's, it's hard to – you know, I, I'm sure it's, it's painful to watch Ovi score a big slap shot from, you know, his, from his yep. office. But some of those are just unbelievable. Yeah, last night is a perfect example, guys. You know, we're over in New Jersey, and it looks like P.K. Subban wins the game for the Devils in overtime. 27 seconds in he scores an unbelievable goal I had to give it you know hey it's an overtime winner the Devils are trying to snap a huge losing streak on home ice the Islanders had a big winning streak that they wanted to keep going but that is a goal that you know you can't just say oh yeah PK scores and the game's over you can't just do that especially when it's an overtime winner so luckily I went through with the call as you know I would normally I gave it its due and then it got turned around on an offside so we could forget it happened and then the Islanders pulled out an incredible win in the shootout so that that's kind of a perfect example of how you know you give the opponents their due hey they won it in overtime their long losing streaks over our long winning streaks over and PK did his thing with an incredible shot in overtime but in the end it was awful nice when it was taken off the board and uh, we had another chance to live and found and we wrote a different ending that's what the Islanders did for sure. I always envision you have like a mute button and you're getting all the swear words out and yelling and you're saying, and they scored a really nice goal there. <laughs> you know, we do have that mute button, Jason. It's a good point. We do have the mute button, which you can lean on at times if you want to uh, oh, you know, yeah. get the other words out. You got to be careful in this business because sometimes you think you're on that button, you're not. And uh, that has cost people some jobs too. So. I've, I've heard the stories. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Who, are your, who are some of your influences for calling games, uh, not just uh, New York, 
necessarily sports, but other other uh, announcers and play-by-play guys? Yeah, um, nationally, certainly Doc Emmerich. I mean, obviously the greatest ever to do the game. And, uh, you know, to get to know him as a colleague and as a friend, uh, I mean, just an unbelievable broadcaster to begin with and an even better human being. So um, he would be the national guy that I would put out there. And again, back here in New York, when I was growing up, Marv Albert was the ultimate sportscaster. He was the guy that, uh, you know, he was doing the Knicks and the Rangers, but he literally would do like the six o'clock news sports on Channel 4, race over to the garden, do the Knicker Ranger game, and then race back to Channel 4 and do the 11 o'clock sports. So, um, you know, Marv was my guy. I got to meet him too, which was great. And obviously his son, Kenny, right now is probably the most versatile broadcaster in the world. And, and Kenny's doing all four major sports, sometimes all in the same week. So, uh, you know, definitely those are the two guys I, w- I would say early on were influences. And then again, legendary Islander broadcasters that I got a chance to work alongside Jiggs McDonald, who's in the hall of fame, Howie Rose, who should be Barry Landers, who did Islanders radio for 17 years. I kind of grew up under his wing. So, you know, those are the guys that, that certainly have meant the most to me. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, we've had, uh, yeah. Doc Emmerich has been on a few times with us. And we just, every time he's on, we were just uh, like, we couldn't believe we were talking to him, number one. But, you know, number two, he always had like incredible stories to tell us. And just, you know, we we just were blown away. And it's, you know, it's great that he retired, but the game is so going to miss him. He was, uh, he's a real, he just, he knew, he knew how the game and loved it so deeply. You could feel it every time he was calling a game. Yeah, I'll tell you one funny doc story, guys. Again, it's not hockey related, so to speak, but it's my favorite story. Again, I feel the way about doc that you do and anyone does just to get to talk to him. Right. So I get to know him. I get to befriend him. Uh, There's a game down in Philadelphia that he's working for, I think, NBC and I'm working for the Islanders. So he calls me up during the day and says, you know, Chris, would you mind giving me a ride back to New Jersey? after the game. So this is Doc Emmerich, right? I said, I, I can't say no to this. And again, I had no problem doing it. Let me tell you guys, it was the most nervous I've ever been in my life, other than <laughs> taking my kids home from the hospital the day they were born, okay? You have Doc Emmerich in your passenger seat. I have about a one hour ride up the Jersey Turnpike. This is hockey royalty, right? This is, I, I can't mess up here. I was white knuckling the whole way up. Um, he wanted me to stop at a little rest up so he could get a little snack. So that's a little Doc Emmerich uh, secret there. So I did that for him. What snack? And, what did he get? I think he got an ice cream. I think it was an ice cream. Maybe that throat was bothering a little bit. So I, I think it was an ice cream. Uh, but anyway, we're almost there in New Jersey and he's staying at a local hotel that night. And he's like, Chris, you can just drop me off on the side of the turnpike. I'm like, Doc, I'll, I'll take you to the hotel. I'm not going to leave you on the side of the turnpike. And then he's like, okay, okay, but I'm paying you for gas. I'm paying you for gas. I'm like, Doc, it's on my way home. You're not paying me for gas. You're not. Yes, Chris, I insist. No, Doc, you're not. So he lets me take him to the hotel. I don't take any money from him, of course, right? I get home. I pull into my driveway, and I look in the cup holder, okay, in my car, and he put $50 in the cup holder of my car for what cost me maybe $5 of gas out of my way. (laughs) But it was almost like something your grandfather would do, right? Like, you know, right. Funny, but there it was $50 in the cup holder. It's like my favorite doc story. And always uh, a gentleman. Yeah, always a gentleman. And again, the other thing you've heard this from other broadcasters, but I can't tell you how many times I've finished a broadcast and I'd go home and on my phone would be a voicemail from doc saying, Hey, Chris, I was working tonight in the hotel doing my devil work. Listen to your broadcast. It sounded great. I really liked how you did this. You could improve on this. And there's nothing that means more to a young broadcaster than having Doc Emmerich tell you he listened to your game and, oh, I really like the way you did this part. Oh, my goodness. I, I was just on cloud nine. And, and it happened on multiple occasions, guys, multiple. Wow. Yeah, he's, he wow. was that guy. I mean, I, I, I met 
uh, doc through one of the guys that, that taught me surgery at, uh, in uh, Pittsburgh. It was a guy that was around Hershey when doc was getting his start, basically. Sure, yeah. And they, um, he said, you know, you should get doc Emmerich on your, on your podcast. I was like, yeah, we should. Uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, he texts me like, uh, like the next day. No, that's and not He's like, oh, you know, uh, talk to Ernie. And he said uh, that I should come on your podcast and talk. He said, I'd love to do it. And uh, it was like, okay, because it was me and Kevin Connolly. I was like, hey, Kevin, uh, Doc Emmerich's going to come on. He's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, he told me one time, though, Jay, this is amazing. I always think about this. One time when he was doing the Stanley Cup Finals, he told me that the day of whatever game it was of the Stanley Cup Finals, he did 17 interviews that day leading up to the game that night 17 okay that's wow. that's I, not, I would lose my voice if i did 17 interviews on the day of the game but he's doing a stanley cup final game that night 17 interviews during the day the best i mean he's, he's just a great guy yeah well let's get to your team right now chris because it's exciting <laughs> sure. you know the the islanders are in first place what's going on with that florida game because that could yeah, we were funny. You're talking about that before we went on. The Panthers win tonight. They jump over the Islanders, but at least for most of the day here, right? We're talking about, uh, you know, two hours away from a 24-hour period alone atop the NHL. Uh, it's a nice view looking down on 30 teams. I'll tell you that, Jay. You bet. Uh, what's been the key? I mean, is it is it trots? Is it is it the way the guys are playing? Is it the, the fact that Barzell's the most incredible skater of all time? What What is it that's causing the Islanders to to really dominate? I think I would go D all of the above uh, for my answer there. So, yeah, it's, it's all that. It really is. I mean, Barry's a big part of it. Uh, Lou Lamarillo coming in is a big part of it. And I give you this one illustration that I use quite a lot because it really shows, you know, what a difference in culture that this organization has experienced since Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz arrived. Before they arrived, guys, the Islanders had won one playoff series in the previous 25 years. One series win. That was 2016, a pretty famous one against the Panthers. But that's it in 25 years. So now Lou and Barry come in. In the two years that Lou and Barry have been here, the Islanders have won four playoff series in those two years. Barry's been coach of the year. Lou is the current GM of the year. And, oh, yeah, last summer in the playoffs, they went to the conference finals for the first time in 27 years. So you want to talk about just completely changing the culture of a club when you've got, you know, a current Hall of Famer in Lou Lamarillo and his job, a future Hall of Famer in Barry Trotz and his job, that's how quickly and that's how dramatically, you know, you can turn things around. And again, you mentioned Barry right off the top, Jay. I have to start with him because, you know, you look at what this club has done. Last year, they had a 10-game winning streak and points in 17 in a row. Right now, it's a nine-game winning streak and points in 20 of the last 22 games. So only twice in the last 22 games as he walked off that bench without getting a point. And that's the reason why they're in first place right now. And again, he's getting balanced scoring from all four lines. He's getting solid defense, both goaltenders. He's alternating now. Um, and certainly Matt Barzell is, you know, the superstar on the team uh, as everyone who saw his crazy between the legs goal uh, can attest to. I mean, also, I think they have a record of what, 12 and two at home. I think it's something like that. It's uh... yeah, 12 0 and two. So the only team yeah. who has lost a regulation on home ice, that's been a big part of it, Jason. And, you know, the surprising thing is, they did it without fans. They've had one game where fans have been allowed in. So how do you go 11-0-2 and you talk about a home ice advantage when there's no fans in the building, but yet you still find a way to win? So, um, you know, they talked about just being comfortable at home. Obviously, a little bit of advantage to Barry with last change on home ice. But 
Um, it's stunning, and it is the final year for Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, so right. you want to send it out in style before they go to their, you know, brilliant new arena, the UBS Arena at Belmont Park there, which looks incredible. But, uh, you know, it's kind of the last stand at uh, the old barn on Hempstead Turnpike, and they're sending it out in style. And I've always been maintaining, and again, you don't have to agree or disagree, but that's okay, that uh, Florida is actually in their element not having any fans in the stands, so they're kind of used to this right now. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, but but <laughs> well, I'm gonna be honest. Okay, it's true. It just you know, it's, it's a shame though. It's a shame because you know Tampa is great support, and Florida at the end of tonight could be the number one team point wise in the NHL. And you're right; they just they don't get the support they deserve. Tampa's now the reigning Cup champion. They've won their second cup, and you know the Lightning have an incredible following. The passion of those Bolt fans. Um, I yep. just think it would happen down in Florida. It happened early on. You remember, like, it was the third year in the league. They were in the finals, and they just haven't had a taste since. I, it, it, right. It is a shame because they're playing very good hockey, and it's just underappreciated. And yep. But but is this – now, obviously, with a shortened season, though, the way the Downers are playing, we obviously, you know, from a, from a perspective of a, of a fan, you hope that they're not peaking too, too early. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it, but – what, what do you see them as far as uh, – do they have to pace themselves a little more? Where do you see this team, let's say, in four weeks at this point? Yeah, it's a good question, Jason, and it's impossible to say. But, you know, you hope that because they're getting such balance through the four lines right now and, you know, Barry Trotz had used the same six defensemen for every game in the first half, all 28 games. They had a little change, which wasn't their decision uh, yesterday – but uh, I think the fact that, you know, early on he rode Semyon Varlamov. He started 16 out of the first 20 games in goal. But you know what? The last 10, he's alternated those goalies. So that can help reduce that load. I think eventually you got to work some of the young defensemen in just because you can't play the same six for all 56 games, although he was getting close to doing that. And then we've right. seen the last couple of games, a really nice infusion of youth up front. Kiefer Bellows has come up, scored some huge goals. Oliver Wallstrom has come up. He's 20 years old and scored some of the biggest goals the last couple of games. So I think if they can, you know, kind of get that injection of youth to keep it fresh, to keep it moving, that's going to help. And again, help those guys on the blue line a little bit. And certainly the goalie rotation helps both because I think they're playing 16 games in, in 28 days in March, which is just crazy. And yeah. you're right, Jason, I think eventually it catches up to you. So if they can find a way to, you know, you know, get a rest here and there with some of these guys and work in some of the young players, as Barry has, that'll go a long way to, I mean, they're not going to continue to, you know, to win every single night, but when you're putting points in 20 of 22, uh, you found the right formula. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I am very impressed with the uh, consistency through the lineup. That to me is what, you know, every team's really looking for, especially in these tight leagues where you're playing the same teams like constantly. I mean, this, this year is, is so unique. It's, it is like a conference playoff yep. constantly. And it's just, it is every time they have to make these adjustments. And so the thing that I see with the Islanders is the consistency. And if, let me ask you a question. Who is the, who's the leader of this team? Who's the locker room leader? Is it Anders Lee? Is it Barzell? Is it, is it ruled by committee? Who's the, who's the leader? Yeah, it is absolutely Anders Lee, the captain, Jay. And the problem is he's the guy that just got hurt, right? He's got a lower body injury. They just put him on long-term injured reserve. Uh, so that means he's out at least 10 games, at least 24 days. 
And he not only leads, you know, the team in goals, but he leads by example on and off the ice. He's the consummate leader. He was, you know, the captain at Notre Dame where he played his college hockey. And uh, just you're not going to find a more well-respected guy in that room. Josh Bailey called him the heartbeat of the club. Uh, it was Cal Clutterbuck who said, you know, we're a snake, but he's the head of the snake. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be tough to be without their captain. We don't know when he's coming back. And that's a huge loss in so many ways. But again, as I mentioned, here's a young kid, 20-year-old Oliver Wallstrom coming in and 22-year-old Kiefer Bellows, who's taken his spot on the top line the last two games. And Bellows has three goals now in those two games. So you're never going to replace Anders Lee with one guy. And, and Barry Trotz literally used the phrase, it takes a village. Uh, because he knows it's going to have to be everybody that's going to chip in to try to replace what the captain brings both on the ice, in the dressing room, and in the community. He, he's so respected for his work in the community. I can't even begin to describe to you his work there. So April 12th, we got a big date coming up, which is a trade deadline. Do yeah. you see the Islanders making any moves, or do you think that there's anything they need to do? Or do you say, Pat, and say, hey, listen, we're good with what we got? Yeah, I mean, you would think, Jason, you know, it's not broken, don't fix it, right? But uh, the only way they do something, again, if Anders Lee stays on that long-term IR, first of all, that opens up the cap room to do it because right now they're pretty much up against it. So if he comes off the LTIR, you really don't have much room to, to add salary, but you could still could try to make a trade to bring in something. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to say an area – you know, that they could use somebody now because the balance is there through the four lines, maybe a veteran defenseman, although they do have a guy like Thomas Hickey who hasn't played at all is still around and a young guy like Sebastian Ajo who just stepped in the other night. Um, so yeah, I would be hard pressed. Certainly not going to touch the goaltending. They've both been great. You know, the, the two Russians, the veteran Varlamov and the youngster Sorokin, when you played the six D every single game for the first 28 games, how do you tell one of those guys you're, you're coming out or taking a night off? And again, balance lines one through four, um, you know, you're getting top six scoring. You've got a third line now that's come alive with the kids and you've got, you know, maybe one of the best fourth lines in hockey. So I'd be hard pressed to give you an area that they can improve other than maybe, again, just depth defensemen in case there are injuries, which always seem to happen in the course of a season. So what do you, so I guess my question is this. Uh, let's say, hopefully this is not the case, but let's say Anders Lee is going to be out for longer than expected. Do you see them making a potential play for someone like a Bobby Ryan or someone like that who may be able to really help this team, a really good veteran that knows how to score. Yeah, that's a possibility. And those are some of the names we've seen thrown around. Taylor Hall has been out there, obviously. Right. Uh, and he's actually best friends with Jordan Eberle. He was Jordan Eberle's best man at his wedding uh, when he joined the Islanders there. We've seen that name out there. Uh, trying to think of some of the other, uh, Kyle Palmieri of the Devils, who has Long Island roots. He was born here. Um, so it's possible. But again, Lou Lamorello, I think, you know, doesn't want to mess with it if he can – Avoid doing that. But you're, like you said, if you're without an Anders Lee, uh, who you miss in so many regards, right now, again, Kiefer Bellows couldn't have done more in two games in that spot with three goals. But uh, still that veteran presence and that leadership, uh, if you can go out and, and get someone you know that, that might be able to lead as well as help you in the lineup, and if you find that cap relief, that's the biggest part of it, then certainly I sure. think you'll do that. You know, Lou says, I'm always looking to improve the club, so uh, I'm sure yeah. he'll be working the phones, and that deadline does come around again on April 12th, so we're a little under a month from that now. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure you're going to see too much activity. Uh, you know, even it's tough to say. I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's easy for us to sit here and armchair quarterback this one, but you got you got to look at how well things are going for the Islanders. And it is a, uh, it's a chemistry issue. Yeah. And, you know, there isn't anything that they're missing. The, the fourth line is insane. I mean, they, they've been that good. Yeah. They've been that good though, for like three years, you know, it, they, yeah. that group is just, 
they're so powerful with what they can do. I mean, they, they really set the tone. A lot of times I see, you know, he starts that line and that that's, that's a very, very telling gesture. And it, and it, and it sets the tone of how these games are going to go for the Islanders. They're, they're really, I think trots is a, uh, he's a real uh, just, just a master of coaching. He's really understands how to work his, his sort of stable of players, whether it's the, the capitals or the Islanders, he, he's got he's got some insight that's really, really uh, just almost sage like. Yeah, it's a good point, Jay. And he calls them the identity line. That's his term for Casey Sezikis in the middle, Matt Martin on the left, Cal Clutterbuck on the right, um, because they are the identity. They set the tone. You're right. He starts them, you know, a lot of times at the beginning of the game, sometimes at the beginning of every period if, if they're going strong, because, uh, you know, he knows what they can bring. He tends to use them right after the Islanders score a goal to try to keep that momentum or right after the opposition scores to try to get it back. So, um, you know, they're known for their physical style. We call them the CCM line for Sezikis, Clutterbuck, and Martin. Um, but you know what? They're scoring of late, too. Suddenly, Matt Martin's got five goals. He had five in the playoffs, which was an unbelievable revelation. Casey was a 20-goal guy, you know, a couple seasons back. And Clutterbuck has one of the hardest shots on the team. So, you know, they certainly can find the back of the net. And I remember, I think it was two years ago, Don Cherry called them the greatest fourth line in the history of the NHL, which might have been a bit over the top. But, uh, you know, they'll take it. And uh, they've been playing together now six years as a line. I can't think of any other line in the league that's even close to that. So uh, they, they, they play off each other so well and, and they complement each other so well that that's why Barry, I think, has such confidence in them. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting to see that because they, they seem to, you know, there's they have such a, a spoiler capability, you know, they, they can really, they can really wreck something's going really well for, you know, the, the Bruins or whatever. And, and all of a sudden this team comes out and it is just like, it is like pouring, you know, a, a bucket of water on the fire for the other team. Cause they come out and they, they change the momentum, like you said, and they do it fast because they know that's their job. And, you know, they're, they're tough. They're tough as nails. I mean, Casey Sezikis is not a big dude. And, you know, he, he makes his presence known in a, in a huge way, which I, I love. That's why I love watching him play. Yeah, he's so gritty. I mean, uh, you know, great on the faceoffs, great penalty killer. And then Martin and Clutterbuck, you know, Cal has more hits than anybody in the league since he came in the league. And Matt Martin has more hits than anybody in the league since he came in. So, I mean, those are the two guys who are always so physical. And, and Casey's kind of the little guy in between them. But he's got the monster heart, does Casey, and, uh, you know, is so useful uh, a perfect example was uh, last night in overtime. The uh, Devils get a power play, four on three for two full minutes, and Tzizikas was out there the entire two minutes at the top of that triangle on the kill. Um, just all heart and soul. He'll give you the body down. You know, he'll block shots, and, and somehow they got through that kill to get it to a shootout where they eventually won it. But uh, Casey's that heartbeat guy. He definitely is, and, and so are Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck, for that matter. I, I think also sometimes – certain players gel more with certain coaches systems and you have a guy like a trot like trots who prides himself on defense and even having some of his offensive players playing good defense. Yeah. And so I think Sezikis is one of those guys that just blends well with this system that trots has out there for him. Yeah. Um, Great great point, Jason. I agree with you. And if you look at, you know, to me, the reason the Capitals finally won the Stanley cup is because they finally played defense. You know, they won a couple of president's trophies, didn't win the cup. We won a couple of coaches, couple of coaches didn't, didn't, win the didn't win the cup. But finally, when he got them to play defense and buy in, why did they win the cup? Because they were the only team that could shut down Vegas, which was unbelievable that year offensively. When they finally – Vegas went through everybody offensively when they got to the finals. 
And then Barry's, you know, got his guys to commit to play a team defense and, and brought them their first Stanley Cup because they found a way to deny the Golden Knights. So uh, I think it's a great point that, you know, everybody's got to buy in. And when Barry arrived on the island, I talk about the changes that have occurred under him and Lou. You know, you got that ring on your finger now and, and you see what uh, he did in just four years in Washington with the coach of the year and the two president's trophies and a Stanley Cup. The respect was instant. And uh, the first year, the Islanders, again, the previous year under Doug Waite, had given up the most goals against in the National Hockey League. In Barry's first year, they give up the least goals against in the National Hockey League. A hundred goal differential. It was only the second time it ever happened in NHL history. So uh, he made that much of a difference in one year behind the bench. That is amazing. I mean, that's uh, that that's such a that's a tremendous statistic. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what do you think is going to happen with this year with the cup? You know, we're, we've, we've got these teams like literally duking it out in these small conferences. What's going to happen when it's time to go to playoffs? And then how is this going to shake out? What's your what's your vision? Yeah, it's interesting, Jay, because obviously now we're not locked into that East versus West, right? Some people never liked that. You know, in the old days, it never was that. It was line them up one through 16 and however it played out, it played out, right? So that to me is, is the one thing that's going to be the most interesting to watch. And that's why, you know, we talk about the Islanders and Panthers right now jousting for that top spot. People have to remember that the playoffs, first of all, this year are going to be within the division, right? So you're going to battle within the division two rounds to get yourself four division winners. But then the way they're seeding those four division winners is based on their regular season point total. So that's the reason you want to be at the top of the mountain regular season wise before the playoffs begin, because if you can win your way you know, out of your division, it goes back to what you did in the regular season and you want that top spot so you can get home ice in every potential series. So, um, you know, it's a combination of both things. You have to have that great regular season to try to have home ice if you can escape your division. But those divisional battles, I mean, as you said already, everybody's playing everybody eight times in the East Division, right? So it's been these mini playoff series already. The Islanders just finished three against the Sabres, three against the Devils, now starting three against the Flyers, and actually near the end of April, three against the Caps, which might decide the division winner, right? So uh, I thought you made a great point early, Jay, calling the, you know, all the times you're facing these teams like a playoff series. Well, guess what? It is because so much is on the line every single night. So the intra-division playoffs will be incredible to see who emerges. And then when you get those final four together, the fact that you're not locked into East playing East, West playing West, it truly is going to be, you know, the best four teams with one against four, two against three. And, uh, you know, the Islanders got to the conference final last year. They got to within six wins of the Stanley Cup and lost to the eventual cup champion in the Lightning. So um, the playoffs are going to be incredible. Not, not to mention, obviously, the East has been so competitive. But that North division, oh, my God, you know, knowing only one Canadian team is going to come out into the final four, what those playoff series are going to be like, goodness. Uh, playoff hockey is always the best, but I can't wait to see this year's version. I hope we have fans back for that. I hope it's, I, you know, there are there's, fans getting back in uh, several of the arenas. Um, I, I really hope that it's much more of a uh, fan atmosphere by the time we get to the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. Yeah, the bubble was tough last year, but you know what, guys? They had to do it to get through, and they did. And this year we're starting to see that, right? The Islanders have had 10% back in the building. The Devils had 10%. The Rangers had 10%. And here we are in March, right? So hopefully in June and July – if things continue to get better, and especially, you know, in the case of the Islanders, it's the last year for Nassau Coliseum. This is a legendary facility where, you know, they won the four Stanley Cups, skated three of them on that ice, and, and uh, you know, you want to give it the proper send-off. So I would hate to think that come the end of the regular season, we're still at 10%, and, and you got to say goodbye to this incredible building that's been your home for, you know, the majority of the 48 seasons you've been in the National Hockey League. 
Well, we hope uh, we hope it's a, a big year for the Islanders. Obviously, our uh, our friend Kevin Connolly and one of our guests uh, we had uh, we had Ralph Macchio on as well. Who's, oh, uh, he's another huge Islander <laughs> fan. So yeah, we, we've had them on the radio, both of them. They're both incredible guys. Oh, they're, they're the best. I mean, Macchio is he's a diehard. Islander. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So the uh, I think they were both there for the uh, groundbreaking for the new arena. So I, I know that's coming up. It's a big deal. Um, it'll be fun. I mean, I I think that that Bel- Belmont Park for that, it couldn't be any better. It's going to be really great. Yeah, it's a beautiful setup, and I've taken the tour already. They've, you know, made it the, the largest lower bowl in the entire NHL. They've made it a low roof, just like the Coliseum, so that the sound doesn't have anywhere to go. So they've kind of taken the best of the Coliseum, improved on that. And, uh, yeah, it's a perfect location. It's only about eight miles west of the current Coliseum. Um, so the folks from the west in the city can come. The folks from the east on the island can come. And uh, believe me, the Islander ownership group has toured every single NHL arena, every NBA arena, and most baseball and football stadiums, too, to try to take the best of everything they've seen into one building. And again, it is scheduled to open in November. So um, it looks incredible. They have a, a web camera on the Islander website where I can check in every day. They have one on the outside, one on the inside. Cool. So you can kind of see the progress of it. And uh, it's just amazing to see how far it's come already. And to think come November, uh, they'll have a new home. I'd love to see Springsteen in there next year. I mean, you don't know, be on tours there. Well, you know, it's funny, Jason. On Long Island, Billy Joel's the man. He's the guy. So, uh, you know, everybody putting their money on who's going to open it. Uh, uh, Billy Joel is certainly the favorite if you're looking for Las Vegas odds. But, hey, if you want to go <laughs> across the uh, the river there to New Jersey, I would love to see Springsteen do about a dozen shows there. I'm with you on that. And, uh, <laughs> and Billy has uh, kind of got that residency going at the Garden. But Billy did close out the old Coliseum yeah. and open up the refurbished Coliseum. So right. we'll see if, you know, he's the guy when uh, they finally have their first concert. But that's the other big side of the building, guys. They say it's, uh, you know, built for hockey, made for music is what they're saying. So they have tailored that thing to be the ultimate music building. They're working with Irving Azoff, who's legendary in the music business, as far as, you know, how do we design things so that these, you know, trucks and roadies can get in and get out as quickly as possible. And the artist rooms and everything are just phenomenal. So the two big concerns coming in was let's make it as good as we can for hockey, but let's make it the best music building in the area. And you kind of have to do that when you're going up against buildings like Madison Square Garden and Barclays Center and Prudential Center. But, you know, you bring a, a heavy hitter in like Irving Azoff and uh, I can't wait to see what he's going to do musically there. And the fact that you only have the one tenant in the Islanders and you don't have an NBA team really opens it up. So their goal, guys, is to have almost a concert a week throughout the entire calendar year. They're shooting for 52 or more concerts a year. So you might see a concert a week uh, at UBS Arena at Belmont Park. That's pretty sweet. I definitely saw Bruce Springsteen at the Nassau Coliseum when I was uh, coming up. So it's uh, it was worthy. That was a, a great yeah. show. I remember. Yeah, I love well. Bruce. I love Billy. Uh, let's get them both. Let's get them both in there. <laughs> Double well, bill. In our last few minutes, uh, Chris, so give us your predictions for the uh, Stanley Cup other than that the Islanders are going to win because uh-huh. we know that's your prediction. Who do you think <laughs> – comes out of let's go around just the the divisions who comes out of canada who comes out of the west central uh, who do you think are the big winners this year yeah, all right i'm gonna give it to you now it's tough to say i mean i like to think toronto's gonna come out of the north right because of the season they've had but toronto being toronto i don't want to you know, <laughs> know what that's gonna be like and last night they lose to ottawa right so who knows and that actually kept the islanders in the top spot in the nhl so that was a stunner so can Toronto get over their, you know, playoff failures? We will see. Out West, I, I still like Vegas. I still think, you know, that they've had an incredible season. Uh, Central-wise, it's up for grabs, right? You look at what Florida's doing right now, what Tampa's doing right now. Um, 
you know, is it down to those two? Potentially, yes. But, uh, boy, just to get it to the Final Four, I'll stick with those guys right now. And hopefully the Islanders can fight their way out of, you know, an incredible division themselves like they did last year, uh, you know, in the Metro to get to the Conference Finals. So, uh, more than anything, guys, I know you love it as much as I do. It's just going to be unbelievable playoff hockey, and especially in the North. I got to give them their due where hockey is religion up there. But those playoff series in that division, I can't wait to just get home from the Islander game every night. Hopefully, they'll, me and the Stanley Cup playoffs don't want to jinx things and then watch the Canadian battles, uh, you know, that evening as well. Well, listen, we really appreciate you coming on. This is a this is a blast. We love hearing about uh, the, the the back east crew. I mean, that's kind of where, you know, I'm from there. So the Islanders are, are definitely part of my hockey culture growing up, uh, especially with my brother. But, uh, you know, Connolly and uh, and Ralph Macchio and, and our our doctor hockey families sort of you know and the Islanders are part of it so it's really a pleasure to have you on the doctor hockey podcast this was absolutely great hi Jay thanks Jay thanks Jason and make sure you tell Absolutely. those two guys said hi and let's go Islanders I know they're going to be forcing you to talk Islanders the rest of the way now <laughs> I'm happy to I have no problem with <laughs> all right Chris take care thanks so much yeah, anytime. Great talking hockey with you. I love talking hockey with hockey fans like you guys, and you guys did an awesome job, so I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks. Chris. Thank you. We'll get you back towards the playoffs if we can. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. So much fun. Thank you, guys. All right. See ya. Thanks for listening to Dr. Hockey. Check out new episodes every Thursday, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or at podcastone.com. McDonald's McCafe iced coffee so good. Is it the bold flavor? That splash of cream? Because you can get it just how you like it? Unsweetened or with your choice of caramel, French vanilla, or hazelnut flavored syrup? Or because all you have to do to get one is hit up the McDonald's drive-thru? Let's go with all of the above. When you're ready for a break, get a medium McCafe iced coffee for just $1.69. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.